Buenos días. Buenos días. Buenos días. Okay. Or as my grandmother would say, le de Dios. Uh, I'm uh, really honored and blessed to be here. Uh, thank you all for getting up early and showing up. Uh, some of you on, you know, not morning. How many are not, how many are morning people? Probably the ones that are here, right? Yeah. <laughs> how many are not morning people? So, you, so you're still semi here, right? But, but you guys will wake up about noon, right? Our morning people will start to fade about 1 o'clock. You know. If you're blessed in your life, you will have hooked up with somebody that's got the same rhythm as you. Because if not, there can be trouble. See, morning people like to get up in the morning talking. Us night people don't want to talk about nothing, right? So for those of you that are night people, you just kind of cruise with me a little bit. You know, Just kind of do like the teenagers can do. Young people look you directly in the eye and not hear a word that you're saying, right? But, but I'm, I'm really blessed to be here this morning, and um, I want to just um, introduce myself the way that I have been taught, the way my traditional people would, would acknowledge uh, uh, who I am. And, and, and you know, my, my relatives come from uh, Coahuila, from uh, Aguascalientes, uh, we're Coahuitecan. My daddy is uh, Jorge Perez Tello, and uh, my mama's family is... Uh, comes from Chihuahua, and uh, my mom's uh, Maria Jesus Olaga Ramos, and, and uh, those ancestors that, uh, that went before them, some that I know in name and some that I know but are still in my blood, uh, to acknowledge them, and they came through Texas, to San Antonio, and they met in Texas. My dad believes there's Texas and the rest of the United States, right? Very proud Texan man, right? And that's why I wear a hat today, because my dad always wore a hat. He didn't have a good hat like this, you know? My dad was a working man, and so he had hats with stains and holes, and, uh, but he wouldn't go out the house without putting a hat on. Right? He, had, he had a way of putting a hat on. You don't just plop a hat on. Right? You put one foot in front of the other, the other foot back, my dad would go like this. I don't know why, but he'd go like this. And when he put that hat on, see, like he grew, like he got bigger, right? And then that big boy, vamanos, I said, damn, that's a bad hat, dude, you know? But one of my father's rules was don't mess with my hats, right? So, so because he went to somebody's parenting class and knew about consistency and follow-through, because if we didn't pay attention, he consistently follow through on us, just like that, right? That was his restorative justice. He's going to restore me back to where, to a sense of respect, right? But I uh, met my mom, and, and they met in, in San Antonio and, and, and had my brother there. And then moved to Los Angeles because the work moved there, and my sister was born there, and then we moved back to San Antonio. My next brother was born there, then moved back to L.A., and my next uh, brother was born there, moved back to San Antonio. I was born there. I guess every time you move, you've got to have a kid or something, right? <laughs> like marking territory over here, right? And finally, my little sister was born in, uh, in Compton and in Watts, so, so I'm straight out of Compton, you know, as well, you know. Um, and, and, and I grew up in a neighborhood that was a black-brown neighborhood on this side of the municipal airport, and the other side was a whole different world. And, 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 and the reason I share all that with you, because um, that's that journey. Those are those lessons. Those are those teachings along the way. And, and what I know that I, I carry in me, and sometimes more than other times, is that those ancestors that have came before. And in our tradition, we talk about what we do today, and it has impact for seven generations going forward. But, but what we often don't talk about is those seven generations that came before us. So I just want to take a moment, and, and I'm going to have you, uh, I'm going to ask you to invite your relatives. And, 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 you know, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine what 
what my great, 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 great grandmother did. What she struggled with. What she had to endure. How they treated her. What my great, 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 great grandfather. What they did. And within all of those things, they had a prayer, they had a dream that that next generation was going to have less pain and have more blessing. And they passed that blessing on and, and what many times we don't recognize is that we are that dream, that you are that dream, that these young Knucklehead, bald head, tattooed down, fronting up youngsters that are bullying, that are acting out all of their reality. The ones that are pushing up against us, fronting up against us, challenging our methodologies and our theoretical formulations and our evidence based practice. Because they got an evidence based practice too. And the evidence-based practice of many of our youngsters is asking us, do you see me? But do you see in me my mother and father that have struggled, that worry every day for me, that hurt every day for me, that sometimes just going to work, worry about getting locked up or messed up or deported? Do, do you see that, that when I'm in my classroom, my leg is shaking and you say, sit still. I'm trying to hold on and make sit still all the anxiety of not being seen in a good way. Do you see me? That the reason why I carry on, even though my mind wants to stop, and even though I, get frozen in these patterns of trying to act out and push out and all this ugliness that I feel in the world, the way people see me, trying to fend off the diagnosis and over-medicated reality of when they send me to a therapist. Do you see me that I really am the, that dream of my ancestors? That seven generations ago, they did all of this, struggled through, went through slavery and torture and rape and, and are still going through slavery and torture and rape. And the manifestation of what we see in these communities and classrooms is these youngsters trying to speak truth. so that maybe you will see us. So in that barrio, that neighborhood in Compton, in that crowded house, because we had a lot of kids, always a baby crying, all the time. My dad was a loud talking man. Get over here, what's your name, come here. My friend said, is your dad mad? I said, no, dude, this way he talks all the time, you know? But I kind of trip of a social worker to come to my house. We better send him to anger management. This is developmentally inappropriate. 
We better put him in a restorative circle. No, dude. My dad had his own circles. He met with his camaradas, his friends. You know, you see it in the neighborhood. They got the little dip like this, and they're sitting in that circle like that, you know. Trying to figure out, trying to maintain, trying to stay balanced. Because when they go to work and in society, they try and break their spirits. But they even know that ritual of, you know, we're going to drink this a little bit, but let me dip a little bit out for those ancestors. Let me, let, me, let me pour a little bit out for the ones, the homies that didn't make it. Let me pour a little bit out for my grandma that, that, that went too soon for, for little Johnny or little Topo or, or the youngsters that, that, that caught it. Let me honor them that way because it doesn't matter how you transition out. The worst thing is when you get forgotten. And the society that sometimes wants to lock us up and drug us up and deport us and not only forget us but disconnect us. Because we understand that wholeness is really about connection and trauma is about disconnection and the oppression of generations have tried to destroy us. At one time we couldn't play this drum. At one time we couldn't do these dances. Because they knew if they took our spirit away, if they took our ceremonies away, if they took our drum away. But what they didn't realize is that drum is right here in us. That that drum right here is called a wewet. That wewet means the heartbeat of your grandmother. And in that noisy house that I was in, you know, and the teachers would say, uh, go home and find a quiet place to study. I'm like, where? <laughs> if you're really motivated, you will find a little place. I'm like, where? If you really want to do well in school, you're going to like, where? There was no quiet place in my house. There was no quiet place in my neighborhood. And the system made sure of that. As they strategically flew those helicopters around, patrolled our neighborhoods, made us feel like we were incarcerated, didn't really realize the medicine that we carried. Because in that crowded, what we considered dysfunctional, high-risk house, my grandmother lived. And I lived with two grandmas. My dad's mom was about that tall, but my little grandma was like that tall. And, and so my grandmas live with me, but you don't put two grandmas together at the same time. No, no, they're holy and stuff, but they got their own way. They think they're the favorite. And, but my little, little grandma, that's the one, you know. And, and, and that little grandma, I thought she was crazy because she used to get up like at 4.30 in the morning. To me, that's crazy, right? Why you get up at 4.30, you don't have to get up so early. But my grandma, every morning, would follow this tradition, follow this ritual that she would get up. And she would get up at 4.30 in the morning and do the very same thing before she ate, brushed her teeth, anything. She would, in that crowded house, there was a little hole in the wall, and the little hole in the wall, there was some candles and some, her little saints there, and there's a pillow on the ground, and she'd kneel down there. And she'd kneel down there and begin to offer those prayers. And you could almost do an assessment of our family, because the more problems we had, the longer she'd kneel down right there, right? <laughs> but her day began that way of drawing the spirit drawing the inspirations 
of asking for help from the ancestors and bringing that spirit in and, and collecting it in that quietness of that 4.30 morning and she would gather it and bring it then over to us where we slept, all of us kids. And at 5.30 in the morning, she would bless us up. She said, que Dios te bendiga. And I didn't know, I hated it. If I, Grandma, why are you waking me so early? Well, can't you bless me later? Isn't God around later? You blessed me last night, is it still good for now? What, I got it, the devil in me? What, you have Buddha's blessings all or what? Okay, you say, go back to sleep. Now I was having a good dream. It must have my dream. But what my grandmother understood that we didn't know is she had to inoculate me. She had to bless me up. She had to make sure that I understood in, in my deepest part of the spirit where, where all those systems could not reach. She had to make sure I understand that, Miko, you are a blessing. You are sacred. God doesn't make junk and you have a sacred purpose. Because my grandmother knew as soon as I left that house that people were not only not going to see me as a blessing, they were going to see me as a delinquent or immigrant or a problem student or high risk or trying to assess me on what level of PBIS I am in order to be able to and that I didn't have that common core that they talk about because it wasn't the core that they want me to have. And didn't understand that when they try and shift me to that core, what really they're doing is taking away from my indigenous core. Because that school system is not made to bring me closer to my family. It's not made to honor my family and honor my traditions. <laughs> Trying to acclimate me and indoctrinate me to a different way to make me believe that I know more than my mother and my grandmother, even though they can't read and write, that they have some wisdom and some indigenous teachings. So when we restore, where do you restore to? In these schools and in these juvenile justice institutions, are we restoring young people to a process and to a methodology that is based on Western oriented ways are see because in my household there was a certain way and what my grandmother knew is I better bless you up because people are going to try and take your spirit and that's what we see people acting out when you don't feel sacred. And we can do all the methodologies and interventions you want. You can be a certified restorative justice practitioner. But if you don't have those grandmother's prayers and you don't understand that ancestral wisdom and you don't call those things, I've been in, 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 in circles. And by the way, we've been doing circles for, for years. You know, and, and it was interesting, 20 years ago, when I wanted to do this in school, they said, well, that's not an evidence-based practice, you know. That's not yeah, valid, you know. I mean, and, and I'll tell you, you know, we, we clapped about this danza group right here and, 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 and lit them up, and, but, but I have, there's an elder in, in, in San Jose that has a calpuli, a danza group. He's been doing, you know, conflict resolution, and he's been doing, you know, peace settlements. There are brother Nane and George and a lot of these brothers that, you know, uh, Eric over in, in, in in Dakota, I mean, they've been doing this for, for years. 
They call them in with the hardest of the hardest, the knuckleheads, the ones, you know, the, 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 the big homies that, 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 that really have difficulty in the fight, and they, they call them in. And with danza, they bring healing, and they bring that drum, and that youngsters can feel that drum, and they put them on that drum, and, and there becomes something that's deeper than the, the residual problems of the mind, and it begins to calm their spirit. And even though they have attention deficit disorder, they have an ability to focus when they're feeling that wet of that drum, and they're feeling the ancestor spirit. But that very same Kalpuli, the one that we clapped about here and are all over, and we have resources like that, can't go in a school and do restorative justice because they're not certified. So we have some work to do. See, because at the same time our answers were so brilliant that we can write curriculum. And see, my grandmother had this evidence-based practice. So I was going to use a PowerPoint today, but I decided, no, I wanted to do it the way my grandmother did it. My grandmother had a PowerPoint. She would point like that, and you better pay attention, you know, the, <laughs> Because then she'd pray the other way for you, and you don't want that to happen. Eh? You end up walking like this. <laughs> Those grandmas are powerful, you know. But, but you know, the, the, the thing is that, that my grandmother knew that. And what I ask you as you are in these communities, who is blessing our children? It's not just doing intervention and doing service, you know. And it's interesting because that very same grandma would come out on the porch around lunchtime because she would cook. She said, pues, ¿quién quiere comer? Who wants to eat, right? And my best friend, Tyrone Mosley, that's when he would come over and want to play. He always wanted to play right around lunchtime. You know, yeah, he wasn't stupid. And my grandma said, pues, ¿quién quiere comer? He raised his hand like that. I don't know where you learned Spanish from. Pues, pásale, mico. I mean, he walked in. There was no ESL classes. Where did he learn? She said, he wanted to eat, right? And my grandmother called him Miko, my son. See, because in true traditional indigenous ways, those kids are not just your clients. They're not just a number on a scope of work. My grandmother saw Tyrone as hers and brought him in the house and fed him and Blessed him up too. And it's amazing when I go into schools and districts and say they're doing restorative practices and don't, they don't even greet the kids when they walk into class. And when we do an assessment of who they greet more, it's, it's really clear. Who they really want to be blessed and to be that blessing. See, and in that neighborhood that I grew up in, that interconnectedness was there because we'd go to Tyrone's house, and, and his grandma was there, too. She was sit, always sitting in the porch. Miss Mosley was, wasn't a little lady. She was a big lady, and she didn't call me because she called me baby. Come here, baby. <laughs> and I thought it was a big boy. You didn't mess with Miss Mosley. Heck, no. She walked with a cane, you know, and she used that cane. That's for walking, you know, <laughs> but... Um, but she was always on that porch. We didn't need a referral. We didn't need a treatment plan. She didn't even need a funding source. She had a larger source that told her that her job was to wait for the children right there. 
And she was, she was baby, come, come, come and eat some Miss Mosley's food. You're too skinny, baby. Come and come eat some. I got I to gotta fatten you up now. Come on. See, and, and you can hear in my voice that Miss Mosley has blessed me up enough that her spirit is in me. So when you ask me to check a demographic box, it's like, wait a minute. Are we measuring, you know, what you see on the outside or what I feel in the inside? See, and the only reason I have the liberty to say that because she says I was her baby. One day I went to her house to pick up Tyrone, and the night before, my mom and dad had gotten an argument, and I didn't sleep all night, and, and, and Miss Mosley knew. And I walked up, and she says, how you doing, baby? Okay. What's the matter? Nothing. Are you okay? Nothing. Well, what happened? Nothing. And let me translate nothing for you. Nothing means I don't know if I can share this with you without you judging and shaming me. Right? And many times in our programmatic interventions, we are wanting to assess, to diagnose, to let, let me sh share your view on what, you know, and sometimes the kid is barely holding on. We put him in a circle, and, and if you don't know how to feel that medicine and know how to feel the spirit of that child, then sometimes even a restorative circle can be oppressive. Because it's not just a process and a practice that you... See, if you're not in prayer and if you're not connected that way and not blessed up, then it's just a practice. But Ms. Mosley must have known, known something. And, and she looked at me and said, you know, she said, baby, you're going to be okay. I always pray for you. And then she told me something that went way deep. You know, baby... You one of mine. You my baby. Don't you worry. I already I always got you, baby. See, and, and what she maybe didn't understand from the theoretical sense, but she understood from that spiritual sense, is that the most significant thing you could do with a child is embrace them like they're yours. And some of them are going to fall, and some of them are going to get in the mud, and some of them are going to be down there. And, and if you're not really ready, then please don't reach out. Please don't tell them that you're going to walk with them and be with them. See, this medicine that we're talking about, you know, relies, yes, on these traditions. And I have, you know, seen you know, practitioners and acknowledge that it's an indigenous practice, native people, Maori people. But then you know, see him with this feather, and I said, where'd you get that feather from? You know where that feather comes from? You know how to handle that feather? You know that feather comes from ancestral traditions and who gave you permission to have that feather. You play our music, and, but you really understand what that wewet means, and, and it's only within that classroom that you honor that feather in our traditions. And the thing is that we know that unless you're acknowledged in that way and blessed up and said, you use this, and then instructed. That's why I honor my ancestors and my elders, because I know if 
I do it in the best way I can. They're going to bless me up, but I also know if I misstep, they're going to jack me up too, right? <laughs> they're going to remind me. And so where are the elders in all of this? Uh, that, that elder youth connection is real, really important, you know. And in many of our circles, I look for the elders. And, and not that we have to do anything, but sometimes we just need to pray because the problems are bigger than any type of restorative practice. The issues that sometimes we face, you know, I, I was driving in Salinas the other day from a meeting, and, and just the other day, and I see this red light behind me, and I said, oh, damn, what, what I got in my car, you know what I mean? And I flashed back like, oh, dude, do I got anything, you know? You know, but, 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 but physiologically, my body triggers like I was 16 because the trauma is still there. And every time I walk in places today, I still see that look. I still get that feeling. See, and let's, let us not get twisted. It's not just about restoring something. It's about transforming something. And it's about calling it back. And if we as the advocates of this don't recognize that wholeness means you, we must invite people in, not just to be acknowledged as this comes from you. But how would you guide this? How would my grandmother guide this? And we must pay attention in this movement that it becomes that of honoring, not just in the symbolic sense. but truly in the movement of where we're going. If we understand in this country the demographics are changing, the largest group of children between zero through five are children of color. And I saw it at a camp that we were doing recently. Up in the mountains, we brought you know, young black and brown young men to this camp, a hundred of them from different neighborhoods all over California. And most of the people that were doing the roast, roast courses didn't look like them, and, and they ate three meals a day and ate everything they wanted. And, and I saw this young man say, you know, man, why can't my daddy be like that white man? And it hurt me that if you don't understand your daddy's story, and Father's Day is tomorrow, and my loud talking father that it brings me back to. When they invited my parents to go to school and my dad, the Spanish speaking man, loud talking voice. Except when he went in the community. And when he went in the community, that loud talking man with that hat that seemed so big, when he went in the community, I saw him transition and change to uh, Yes, can I help you? Yes, excuse me. Be quiet. Be quiet. And I saw my father shrink. And as a little boy, I said, why does my daddy have to shrink? So when he was invited to school, I'm saying, do I want my daddy there? Because they say good daddies read with you and they play with you and they do all these things with you. My daddy just worked. And so with by them sharing these qualities of what a good father does, did not see me and see my father and see my family and what he struggled with and didn't realize that he had to work at five 
and that he got stopped every other week. So sometimes didn't want to go out. Invite him to parent meetings and no me que no tengo trabajar, I got to work. But one day I said, Daddy, will you go? Because they give us extra points. And Okay, let me know when. Next Wednesday, okay. Why can't your mom go? Well, she's going, but why do they need two people to listen? I don't know. <laughs> My dad figured, well, she can go to the I can be doing something else, right? Fixing the car, cutting the grass, you know. That night came, and I came to my daddy, and daddy, um, can you go to, can you go to the meeting? But I said, okay, well, right, let me, let me go wash up. And he'd come from work, and he washed his face and combed his hair, and he came back out. But he had his work clothes on. And I said, daddy, if I said, you're going to meet? Yeah, well, let's go. No vas a cambiar, you're not going to change? For what? Well, you got your work clothes on. Well, people don't work or what? And see, when you don't have a lot, I mean, my daddy had church clothes and work clothes. And one church clothes, and he wasn't taking it to school. And I said, but daddy, and, and then I saw my dad, and I saw this, his dirty work clothes, and I heard this loud voice, and, and that's not the daddy they described at school. And, and then I said to my dad, daddy, um, I think I made a mistake. What, Miko? The meeting's not tonight. What? No, no, it's tomorrow night. And I know you got to work tomorrow night, Daddy. I'm sorry. I thought it was tonight, but it's not tonight. And my daddy looked in my eyes. And he knew I was lying. And my daddy looked in my eyes. And he knew I was ashamed of him. He said, God damn it, don't have me. We walked out and walked into this room. What are we doing to lift up the sacrifice that our daddies and our mamas make? Our mamas that raise boys and raise girls. And sometimes, you know, my mom never slept. When I wake, woke up, she was awake. When I went to sleep, she was awake. And what I didn't realize, see, my mom was not really emotionally very expressive. And when I got to school, became a therapist, I began analyzing my mom too. Why aren't you sharing your love? Well, let me go try, and I'd go, Mom, I love you. See, Nicole, you want a burrito? <laughs> yeah, but Mom, Mom, but I love you. You love me too? See, me, yeah, me, me too, me too. And, you know, and, and, and then I'm, I'm, in think, I'm analyzing her and say, why does she do that? And, you know, we do that all the time with kids. Do your parents love you? Do they, you know, all of this stuff? And, and, uh, and don't realize the journey of my mom and... and and I criticized her and analyzed her and therapized her. And, and when I went to therapy, they made me do that too. And in, in after two sessions of therapy, I was looking at my mom very differently, thinking she was dysfunctional, thinking that we have no bond, no connection, thinking all of these things. And what I didn't realize till much later, that my mom was a woman. And that she had her own journey that she gave up for us. That she had her own issues. That she had her own problems. And that my mom was violated as a little girl. So when do we restore the mamas? When do we restore the daddies? Because I cannot be whole 
if you're not willing to see my mama and see my daddy and see my locked up daddy. Because we got a lot of locked up daddies and we got a lot of locked up mamas that are maybe in the community, but they're locked up behind the drugs and the alcohol that the pressure is really put on them too much and they self-medicate just to try and get by. And if we don't recognize that this issue, we have an opportunity here. And this is the work that we do at the National Compadres Network and you know, let me lift up Barrios Unidos and Courage and all these other groups that we work collectively with. Nafania's doing wonderful work here too. And, and, and we have the methodology and we do capacity building, we do training and we, we have the evidence-based curriculum and we can do the research that doesn't just research the, the regular markers, we re research spirituality and we re research connectedness and we research healing and we know how because our answers are so brilliant, they give us the words and the technology to not only know how to do it from, a, from an analytical framework from a spiritual standpoint too. So it's not like we don't know, you just need to invite us. And, and as a final teaching, and, and you know, people, I tell these stories and people say, well, thank you for your stories and thank you for your testimony. No, no, no. That was evidence-based practice right there. And I, I can give you the theoretical analysis of everything that I said, but because in Western society we see stories as, you know, not real tangible, not real concrete that in our unconscious bias, we can look at the stories of these grandmothers and fathers and youngsters is not transformative practice. So let me leave you with this, and this is you know, because uh, I'm a grandfather, and I'm a grandfather, and, and uh, I have two granddaughters and this grandson on the way, and, and my little granddaughter, Amara, she likes to come over to Tata's house. She likes to come over to Tata's house to, to play. And she says, Tata, let's go in the backyard and play. And I know when, and she says, well, just for a little bit. And I know a little bit means like two hours, you know. And, you know, and, and after you get my age, it's like two hours, you're sitting, and it's a long time, right, you know. Says, come on, Tata. And I said, okay, let's go, Mika. And we go outside, and we get in her sandbox. We get in her sandbox there. And, and she says, okay, Tata, we're going to make little cakes. We're going to make these little cakes. And, and, she, and, and she makes a cake. Okay, we're going to sing to Marcos, happy birthday. To, and we're going to sing to, 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 to Renee, happy birthday. We're going to sing to Amelia. And after about 12, 12 cakes, my back is hurting, man. You don't want to go on the slide? You don't want to go on the... Uh, no, Tata, we got to sing to everybody. Okay, mija, and, I, and I'm thinking, man, well, can this girl hurry up? And can, you know, can, can we do something else? And my back is hurting, and I'm trying to convince her, and I'm trying to think how to do this. And then I stop thinking, and I look at my little granddaughter, and she's so happy. And what I realize is I'm in her ceremony, and she's blessing me up with her song. And I see what a privilege that this little girl would trust me enough to sing with me, to include me in her song, to bless me up this way. I realize she is my grandmother. And then she says, uh, Tata, I gotta go to the bathroom. Okay, let's go. I'm gonna, good, good, let's go. And, and we go, and I take her in the house, and, 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 and uh, I said, Renee, she's gotta go to the bathroom. I says, okay, dad, fine. She says, no, Tata, you take me. What? You take me. And I'm looking at my daughter because I don't know what the boundaries are and what, you know, it's okay for daddy to, you know, for her dad to take little girls because in some cultures, you know, the fathers don't change diapers and don't do that. So I'm 
you know, and even though I, you know, I teach all this stuff, you know, it's my daughter, you know, so, so she says, Dad, take her, take her to the bathroom. She knows what to do. Just go in there, watch her, you know, she, she'll be okay. Just tuck her dress in here and tuck her dress, okay. So we go in the bathroom and I tuck her dress in here and tuck her dress in here like that and, 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 and she straddles the toilet like that, you know, and I'm afraid I don't want her to fall in because then I'll get in trouble, you know, I don't want to get in trouble, you know, uh, especially my daughter and, 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 and so she's straddling the toilet and then she looks at me, she says, Tata, get out. <laughs> what? Get out. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't want her to fall in. And then she says, I need my privacy. What? What the hell, privacy? I mean, what's a three and a half year old know about privacy? And I'm thinking and I'm looking and I said, you know, if I would have said that to my dad or my grandpa, I would have been across the room. And then I look at my granddaughter and I'm saying, whoa, this little girl's three and a half. She already has her voice. She knows about boundaries. She knows about honoring herself. And she trusts her grandfather enough to know that I will listen to her spirit and honor the sacredness of who she is at three and a half. And I thank the ancestors and I thank this danza and I thank the ceremonies and I thank the little grandmas and I thank Miss Mosley for healing this man up enough. And I walk out, but I'm listening. About two minutes later, she says, Tata, come back in. Okay. And she's standing up, pointing at the toilet and there's a big caca there and she was clapping. And we're, oh, look it, I made caca, good one. And we're clapping over shit, you know, what the heck. <laughs> and then I get the lesson. My grandmother sent me this teaching. She says, if you can't handle her shit at three and a half, she ain't coming to you at 14. <laughs> and then I realize what a sacred blessing it is. To work with people, with youngsters, with families that bring us their shame, that bring us their wounds, that bring us their struggles. And our job is to honor it, not categorize it, not necessarily even restore it. We must honor those relationships, honor those people. And the thing is that if you're not ready, because we have to do our own work. I didn't get there just by showing up and going to, you know, therapy and theoretical stuff. I got there because of that rootedness and the ancestors and being around people that taught me and blessed me up. So with that, I want to I thank you all for the work that you do. But I also want to challenge you. Be reflective, be honest about what this movement needs, you know. Even though we've been doing this work for 40 years, we're still kind of on the outside. I get invited to do keynotes. But let's do a reflection of do we really honor those ancestral teachings more than just saying, oh, we honor the native and the African. Do we, is it really an integrated part? And are those people that have those teachings, are they at the front guiding and leading this work? So with that, I want to thank you and acknowledge you and all those people that put this together and uh, just appreciate you all. And if you need any information from us, you can go to nationalcompadresnetwork.org and uh, we'd be glad to uh, thank you very much and uh, blessings to you and your ancestors.
All right, y'all. Woo, give it up one more time for Jerry Tello. That's right, the, the National Compadres Network. So I just need to say it's like light bulb. So that last piece talks about our movements shifting from the inclusion of people of color to honoring the indigenous wisdom as leadership of people of color. It's about leadership, y'all. Woo, that was just so powerful. I just need to say, anybody who keeps me in the front on my phone, I was live tweeting, okay? Because it, so, it was so powerful. The last thing I live tweeted, Jerry Tejo up in here getting so real about restoring families along with youth as part of restorative justice. After that, I couldn't even live tweet. I was just like, oh, just feeling it. Okay, it was Saturday morning, and yet there was something so sermonic. Um, so if I could have folks just be quiet for a moment, I want to say we're holding the family of Philando Castile and the people of the Twin Cities in our hearts today. We're here to talk about restorative justice, but in some moments, there is no justice. Although we, as our movements, are fighting for justice, it won't always be this way but we want to acknowledge this moment today where justice is sorely lacking. Um, so next up we have a couple, oh wait, we also have, da, 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 da. we also have um, a change in the program. Um, so in the program for Sunday, there's one thing that's not on your insert, and that is in Ballroom G at 115, there's a session called Troubleshooting Challenges and Successes in Implementing Community Conferencing Program uh, in Baltimore, okay? So troubleshooting the challenges and successes in implementing a community, community conferencing program in Baltimore. And again, that's uh, tomorrow, Sunday, 1.15 p.m. in Ballroom G. Sadly, it is not on your uh, insert. Um, and to, coming up next, we have uh, two of our leaders who will also be talking about some of the technology here. Um, so coming up will be Mike Gilbert, the Executive Director of the National Association of Community and Restorative Justice, and Tayasha Bankhead, uh, one of our conference co-chairs and co-director of Restorative Justice for OCU. So they will be sharing some announcements as well. Wasn't that fabulous? Didn't that speak to our hearts? Didn't that call us to do the work of re rebuilding and replacing and re-engineering what I call the relational infrastructure of our society? That's the challenge that we all have. And I so value Jerry Teo and his work. I'd like a round of applause for him. This association is an all-volunteer nonprofit. We need your help. 
And out on the table near the registration area, there's a little box. And each of you has received a donation envelope. We hope that you can help us. And we hope that you can do your part and perhaps put what you can in that box. We're trying to get to a point where we could do this maybe every year. The reason why we can't do it every year is because it's basically a few people doing it while they do other work for to keep their lives going. We need paid staff. We can't get paid staff without donations. So we need your help. It takes, if you will, a village to create the work that we're doing and make it real. So we hope you help us. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Jerry. Um, Grandma Mosley was my grandmother. Um, I'm, I'm, I was born and raised in a neighborhood very close to where J.O. Jerry Teo lived or was raised in South Central Los Angeles on 28th and Maple Avenue. So, so many of those stories um, just ring true in my heart. So thank you for that blessing. <laughs> so I'm gonna ask you to use our um, app that we have. We have really a fabulous app that identifies all of the workshops and the plenaries that we have and so uh, you can download it at the App Store. Um, it's NACRJ 2017, and it's the most updated information as well. So uh, just find, you know, get your phone out if you can. If you haven't already downloaded the app, it's free, NACRJ 2017. And if you're having any problems with that, please let us know, and we'll be happy to support you and help you with that. 